0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is sponsored in part by Sacred, a not-for-profit that helps improve lives in the rural Mexican communities where heritage agave spirits are made. Since we obtained our official not-for-profit status from the IRS back in 2017, SACRED has gifted more than 32,000 Tobola agave seedlings to families in rural Oaxaca. These families are finding their cultural heritage at risk as access to agave is getting harder and harder due to the global explosion of interest in Mezcal. Even as we continue to expand this program, we've also recently helped to launch a program that will build out three greenhouses in rural Jalisco to help protect four at-risk varieties of agave, and three at-risk varieties of trees, while at the same time preventing these rare wildlands in Jalisco from becoming still more Blue Weber farms. To learn about these and other programs, visit sacred.mx. That's sacred.mx. If you love Heritage Agave Spirits, please consider helping us protect that cultural heritage with a tax-deductible donation this holiday season at sacred.mx. Hey, Chicago, there's a gallery show going on that you won't want to miss. It's called Agave, and it features artwork made primarily from agave fibers left over from mescaleros in Oaxaca. I say primarily because there's also a musical instrument that looks something like a didgeridoo, but made from the heart and quixote of a Quiche. Buy that and record a version of our theme song with it, and we'll feature it on this podcast. Agave will be on display in the Chase Gallery at the Epiphany Center for the Arts from now until April 9th. And every first Thursday, a different Agave Spirits company will be on hand to sample out some of the liquid Agave art that we love so much. For details, visit epiphanyshy.com. That's E P I P. H-A-N-Y-C-H-I dot C-O-M. Or follow the link from this episode page at agaveroadtrip.com. Hope to bump into you
0: there.
1: I'm LuPeng. I am Chava Perivan. and this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning podcast that helps gringex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico, and is sometimes recorded in a car in Miami Beach during Art Basel.
2: Wow, so fancy! What has happened to us? (laughs) And today, you know what it is? Yeah, I can tell you what it is. What we got taste, Chava? (sighs) Okay, you're gonna start this episode that way. That's a terrible way to start it, but you know, like it's it's not about. place to start uh no, and a, you know what's a
1: great place to start is with that microphone closer to your mouth oh,
3: lord
2: okay yeah so <laughs> i there's this quote from picasso actually and that's how i'm gonna start pablo picasso yeah yeah he was picasso. never called an asshole no no what, what why are you saying that yeah you'll understand when you get older keep going anyways so this kid uh had this quote that said good taste is <laughs> the biggest kid. well sh- he okay, was a whatever, kid sometime yeah. uh he said Good taste is the worst enemy of creativity. Good taste
1: is the worst enemy of creativity. Correct. What does that mean, Chava?
2: What I think he was trying to suggest is that at his time and that's not so untrue these times as well, you have a number of people that whose taste regulates an industry. And the art, as many like other a things. handful of people become the gatekeepers. Not, not, I wouldn't even say gatekeepers, but they I become got, the people who
1: define what is considered good and what isn't. Exactly.
2: And their taste is therefore
1: uh, named or called good taste. That's interesting. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is what you mean or not, but my mind immediately goes to both bananas and tequila. Uh, okay. okay.
0: Well, so, so, bananas. Can you
1: unpack that? Yeah, please. Yeah, 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 sure. So, bananas. Uh, right? Like there are all these different bananas. In fact, one of the things I love doing when I go to visit a uh, a palanquero at the a- Tabanero, uh, Vinatero, mm, yeah. is I love to ask them about bananas because so often they'll have bananas just growing in their backyard yeah, 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 and yeah. they'll tell you like they have a special bean that grows on their land. That's the mm-hmm. best bean ever. And they have a special banana that grows. That's the or best chayote, banana
2: ever. Chayote too. But anyway, Oh, I've never asked about chayote. Oh, I'll start lovely. doing that. Yeah, that.
1: So, so I'll ask about that and they'll have the best banana and I'll taste these bananas. And they're always right. It is always the best banana mm-hmm. I've ever had. Okay. And they taste so good. Different and and so my point is when I go to the grocery store like now finally in the U.S. I've got three choices for bananas I've got bananas okay. the, the, which is the Cavendish banana that everybody knows as banana now and then uh, I've got the uh, plantain and then there's these little red Dominicos. bananas oh red little red bananas how do they call this I call them little red bananas I'm sure they've got oh, a Lord. better name than little oh, red yeah, banana yeah, 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 yeah. but little red bananas suddenly sounds like it should be the name of a band. And we should only be playing on toy instruments. Anyway, so uh, they've got all these different bananas in everywhere else in the world. And we really only have the Cavendish. And I think it's, you know, part of it is because I'm sure of the economics of it. It's probably a very hardy breed. and uh, And I'm sure because somebody said it's the best banana, like the people who decide what to import at one point said it's the best banana. But when you taste banana candy... Mm-hmm. And like banana Slurpees, I love banana Slurpees. When you taste all of this f- stuff that's flavored with artificial banana, it's actually the flavor of a different banana that we no longer have access to.
2: So, are you familiar with Plato, like Plato ideal archetype of things? I used to play with Plato when I was a kid. Yeah, right. The, <laughs> that's not yeah, a dog. Yeah, Plato's ideals. Ideal. Yeah, It yeah, 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 arch- goes into the cave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like, it's it's funny because. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and we're having all this discussion and we're like, it's going to make sense in a minute. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it has yeah. to make sense Promises, in a promises. Yeah, so so Plato's archetype is yeah. there's a dog, every dog in the planet, it's modeled after ideal dog that exists in the world of archetypes. That would be archetypes. Jacob. Yeah. yeah. And in, the, in terms of flavors, yeah. when someone says uh, they're writing about the spirit that they tasted and they say this tastes like strawberry, What is the archetype of that strawberry that they're referring to? Oh, that is interesting. Is this oh, really wait, they, where they, you they, wanted w- to go? Well, yeah. What's the banana? And and like, what what is the archetypical banana? Is it your Dominico banana from Mexico? Is it your banana, your over the top frozen banana from Tokyo? Is it your uh, maybe beautiful, delicious banana from Dominican Republic? What is that archetype banana? And the answer, and I'm gonna answer myself. <laughs> it's, uh, it, 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 <laughs> yeah, right. It saves time. It, it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I'm not trying to to, yeah. to no, get it's any fair. answers. It's fair. You. I think there's certain industries like the wine and the coffee industry where that is very well established. A number of professionals in those industries. And then we should ask these guys, but I have the suspicion, I might be wrong, that if you ask a wine professional what, what is the reference they have as banana and a coffee professional, the reference they have as banana, they might be different. But they how co- would they even describe that difference? I, and I think that it is Aww. because it is, it is very, it, it's, uh, they've been educated at responding, saying banana to a certain flavor that mm-hmm. comes out of wine or
1: coffee.
2: And that it's a common ground of discussion between the, the industry. So when someone in the industry says banana, there's not all the subjectivity that comes with it. They all understand what banana means in the context of wine or the context of coffee, but the flavor is different. God you know
1: this so this reminds me of conversations I've had with uh, with Jesse uh Diaz and Aaron Campos over at Dark Matter Coffee mm-hmm. right where they like to play with the fermentation of their coffee beans and get kind of crazy with that and then also aging the beans in different ways and then roasting at different levels and what they've said uh to me on on multiple occasions is that they like to find these flavors that sometimes People who are traditional coffee roasters will mm-hmm. tell them are off flavors and they would is, is like I'm, this isn't exactly what you're talking about, but it's in the neighborhood, right? Yeah, no,
2: it's very close actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What what do you call an off flavor? What do you call a defect on or, or an undesirable flavor yeah. too? And and that's part of the common language that these professionals have. Where a certain flavor is not accepted in what you call a fortunate wine or a fortunate coffee. Yeah, like Lalo. Like I remember doing a tasting with Lalo. It was so I made him so angry. Uh, he he had
1: poured like I don't know fifteen or sixteen spirits for myself and my friends at his place. Um, and they were all amazing because everything Lala does is amazing. But then he poured me a spirit and he gave it to me and I tasted it and, and I said, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've had all day. Mm. And, uh, and and it was something that he hadn't made that was given to him that he he uses as an example of what of something that has gone wrong in fermentation. It's it, that that blue cheese taste that is something mm. that I look for. When I'm traveling through rural Mexico in agave spirits, like the blue cheese flavor,
2: I love. So uh, I think a big part of what we're making this episode, because I suggested it, is I've seen a few number of professionals trying to come up with like a flavor wheel of mezcal. Sure. And uh, like the last exercise that I saw in that direction was a little bit more interesting than other things that I've seen because he was trying to refer to a specific region. Like specifically to like a flavor wheel of, uh, of, of mezcal in Michoacan. Mm-hmm. What I am not that sure about is how useful can it, this be for mezcal because you're not having big producers. You, what, what, you, do you, what do you mean? Well, like, I, I think for tequila, it makes a ton of sense because each producer of tequila is going to make hundreds of thousands of liters. And therefore... And therefore, and they have very specific controls... That they can calibrate in order to get closer to what, with uh, certain flavors, are being identified in a wheel and and understood to be nice and pretty. In the case of mezcal, like the person doing mezcal in front of the other guy, they're using absolutely crazy different formulations, absolutely different yeasts, absolutely different <laughs> fermentation times. Like there, there's,
1: so, so what you're saying is the range is so broad that it can't be defined by a wheel
2: it's I think I think it's a disservice uh and, and I and I, well, and and I I think that a lot of the reasons why they're trying to do these labor wheels is to pinpoint how complex agave birds are. That huh. that's that's part of the that that's part of the mission of trying to put this down, saying like this is as complex as whiskey, as wine, as other stuff. Yeah, do you think that's the mission? Because I don't I'm not confident well, that it let's... is. That, that's that's what I get impressed. Well, actually this is what it what it's being expressed in, in one in one of the books that I write about this. But I think if you say or or you I don't know if admit is the right word, but if you sort of say we're gonna talk about flavors because when you talk about these things, right? When you're drinking <laughs> something, that... I don't know. Like, I do That's I don't, what the name of this of of this episode is. Can we talk about flavors? Is that the name of the episode? I think so. Yeah, that should be the name of the episode. Uh, <laughs>
1: it's it, not going to be, incidentally, because no. I get to name them. Okay. But anyway, keep going.
2: So, how how much does it serve us to talk to 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 pinpoint the complexity of agave spirits if we get to talk
1: about the flavors? God, I actually think it kind of does the opposite. That when you start defining it. By this flavor wheel, that it it reduces it flattens it, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do think so. You know, I think a, a more interesting approach is the one that our friend Rachel Toth takes, um, where she would go around these communities whenever she she buys these agave spirits, she'll go around, she'll spend days in a community. She buys like five liters and then she'll spend the next five weeks there, and, and she'll just be harvesting different, uh, different right? Different plants and drying them to make these little kits so that when she shares the spirits with her friends, she can say, now smell this and taste this of these different like herbs and, and some of the water from the community so that you can get a sense of where these flavors- Context.
2: Yeah, yeah I love it that. gives you
1: a context of that community and you start recognizing the flavors in the agave spirit, from all of the plants in and the
2: water in the region. Yeah, I, I think Rachel's so smart. Well, I I think that is what will really expand our understanding of agave spirits and how 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 that will really. Uh, enrich the way we think about those flavors, no? Well, uh, I mean, you're saying flavors, but to me it sort
1: of moves the conversation away from flavor and moves it toward community because the, 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 no, the flavor is the community. The the No, the flavor is the I, community.
2: Okay. I think I understand what you're saying, <laughs> uh, but there's a landscape of flavors in the community and you get to understand this landscape through these kids. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like to me that's like that stuff so right? much. Right. I mean I get I get the flavor wheel in that if what we're trying to do is bring more people to taste these small batch things reflecting
2: what they do in wine is a good idea. Right? Yeah, but it's 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 almost like when you were doing this like uh, like in middle school before you were taught how in to middle do, school when you were drinking wine and
1: using uh, your flavor wheel. <laughs> no, but before you were taught how
2: to write a competent essay, they will or, or like a more free form of essay. Yeah. They will tell you like read these five books and then do uh, an essay that it's based on the on just the ideas of these five books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they will try to constrain you yeah. in order not like in order not to give you a lot of freedom and you to do like a like a frank instead of an essay. But as we grew older, they would, like, research this whole area, read as many books as you want, and then free attack this essay— Ah. So I, I think the wheel is sort of a like a middle school It's approach. like training wheels. Yeah. It's the
1: training flavor wheel from Hascal. That might be the title. <laughs> I love
2: that. <laughs> I mean and and and, and wait. wait. And, and and this is by no means a disrespect like we're not trying to disrespect at all. No wait, wait, like I, I think that is very important to establish too. We just have our doubts of how useful this tool is and if it's really serving the purpose that I think it's trying to serve.
1: Well, you know, if the purpose is to bring in new consumers, it's going to do that. Because, you know, people who drink fine wines are used to seeing the wheels and this is how they define what they're drinking. So it it actually is useful in terms of uh, uh, utility for really defining the flavors. Maybe not so much.
2: I like that. Yeah. I think that's a wrap. Okay.
1: <laughs> Hasta pronto, Chavos.
2: This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marc Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know.